is good. Today we're going to talk about faith, the faith life, the great faith life. What's it mean to live, to move, to walk, to live by faith? Amen. So we have our first question. You know, I usually start off with a question. What is faith? Do we really know what is faith? So we all think about that famous scripture in Hebrews, Hebrews 11. It says, let's say it together. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is being sure of what we hope for. It is the conviction of things not yet perceived by the senses. Faith is knowing that you know something is a fact, even though everything around you might look like it's not working. One definition of faith is to have a complete, unwavering confidence in something, in someone or a situation. A person with faith cannot be persuaded to think otherwise about a situation. So faith is a big deal, right? How important is faith? I would say it's pretty, pretty, pretty important, right? Can you become a believer without faith? You cannot, right? Ephesians 2.8 says um, that we have been saved by grace through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. So faith is a gift of God. It's not by works so that no one can boast. It is the grace of God that gives us faith, right, for salvation. So it's even impossible to be a Christian if you don't have faith. We also see this in Romans 10, 9. It says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, God has raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. So you have to have a belief or faith that God is real, and then you have to confess it with your mouth, right? Not only is faith important in things in the kingdom of God, faith is important for all aspects of life. It's, a, it's used to achieve everything, absolutely everything. You have to have faith. A child has faith in its parents to obey them, right? Um, we as a community have faith in our education system to send our children to school. Um, you have faith in the water that you drink that it's pure enough not to make you sick. Um, you have faith when you go to the doctor that they're going to give you the correct prescription for whatever's ailing you to help you get better. Uh, you have faith that when you lie down at night, you probably will wake up in the morning, <laughs> right? You have faith for absolutely everything. Even if you're not in the, in the kingdom of God, just say you're a business person or, you know, you're going for your goals. You have a human faith that whatever you want to accomplish, you have the ability to accomplish. Even unbelievers walk in faith because it's a law. You can't achieve anything without believing that you can, right? It's a law. So does everybody have faith? Yes, yes. Do all Christians have faith? Yes. How do we know that everybody has faith? Let's go to Romans 12 and 3. This is Paul speaking to the Romans, and he says, For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. So every man, God has given every man faith, 
right? And then that's, that chapter goes on to say, um, if your gift is giving, then give. If your gift is teaching, then teach. So whatever your gift is, walk in it. Use the faith that God has given you to walk in the gift that he has given you because all of us are important, right? Because we're all one body in Christ, just like our physical bodies are one. It has different members and all of those members have to work together for us to function normally. So it is in the body of Christ. We're all individuals, but God has given us different gifts. So we have to have faith to use all of our gifts so that our body, our unit will function as it should, right? The Holy Spirit told us through Paul that God has given every believer faith. So why does it seem like some Christians achieve great things while others just never seem to get it together? That's a good question. Some people can be given every opportunity. They can be given all the education. They can, be ha they can have all the money. They can have all the right opportunities presented to them. But they never can get it together. He was like, what is wrong with that person? You know, um, some people can come from absolutely nothing, but they just have a sense and a timing on how to reach for things and how to take advantage of opportunities to reach the goals um, that they want to reach. Now, why is that? If all of us have a measure of faith, what, what's up with that? Have you ever thought that about yourself? You have a goal you want to reach, but something you just doesn't matter. She's like, how come I can't do that? I don't know what in the world is going on. How come I can't? Well, let's look. I think we have a couple of reasons why. We need to first look at faith, belief, and hope. The differences between those. Faith, belief, and hope. Well, we just learned that all Christians have been given the measure of faith. So all of us have faith. So there is no lack of faith. We all got it. There's no lack. Do all Christians have belief? Do we all believe? All Christians, we believe. If we say we're Christians, we got to believe, right? What is the Apostles' Creed? I believe in God the Father, the creator of heaven and earth. I believe that Jesus Christ is his only son. I believe he suffered under Pontius Pilate. He died on the cross and was buried. I believe he rose again. I believe he will come again to judge those who are living in the dead and the dead. I believe he sits on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Right? We have belief. We believe that one day we will live with Jesus. So we, we have belief. So we raise this question again. Why does it seem that Christians, that some Christians live a successful life? Notice we say successful not wealthy. Success is achieving the thing God has told you to do. That's success. Why do some Christians live a successful life, but others, they just don't? I think it has to do with our perspective, how we see things sometimes. Have you ever met or known someone who had very little materially, but they were just happy? They were just encouraging. They're just a happy person. They don't have too much, you know, and sometimes their money's a little tight. They go through hard times like everybody else, but they're just happy. They keep a positive attitude. Or have you met a person that was born with a deformity? Something's missing or broken in their bodies, but they go on to achieve great things. They overcome their ailments, their deformities, and they say, this is not going to stop me. I'm going to keep on going, you know, and they, they do great things that all of us with everything that we have don't do, right? 
Now, some people just say, oh, those people are just optimistic. They're cheerful. They're fortunate enough to have personalities that lean toward being optimistic and cheerful, while some of us were just born more melancholy, you know. Um, some people might say, oh, they're just naive, you know. They just, ignorance is bliss. They just go on and they're happy because they just don't know any better. <laughs> I wonder how many of us would agree that these people, they're living a successful life, but their perspective is different from ours, right? They're choosing to see the positive. Let's turn to 3 John chapter 1, verse 2. It says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. That's New King James. Another version says, Beloved, I pray that in every way you may succeed or achieve the thing that God has called you to do and be in good health physically, just as I know your soul is prospering. And John was, he was talking to a, a person who, whose name was, I think it's Gaius, G-A-I-U-S, Gaius, who was a preacher um, in the place where he, was, where he was preaching. And John had gotten word that Gaius, Gaius was walking in the truth. He was walking in the truth of the word of God. And John said, oh, I wish that you would prosper and be in good health, just as I know your soul is prospering. How does your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions prosper? How does that happen? By walking in the truth. That's how your mind, your will, and your emotions prosper is by you walking in the truth. Is it by you sitting in the truth? Is it by you reading the truth? Is it by you knowing the truth? Is it by you understanding the truth? It's by you walking, doing, walking in the truth. A lot of us understand the truth. We're taught the truth. We believe the truth. We know the truth. Do we walk in the truth? How many of us do that? We walk in the truth on a consistent basis. We could be prosperous and in good health, just as our souls are prospering. Amen. That tells me that walking in the truth creates soul prosperity, which can lead to prosperity in other areas. It is God's will for his people to succeed and prosper in every way. It's very hard to prosper if you do not walk in the truth and your soul is not prospering. As believers, how do we get our souls to prosper? We just said it. What do we say? We do what? You walk in the truth. Another uh, verse says in Romans 12 and 2, it says, Do not con be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, when I was a kid, uh, we learned this thing that sometimes God has a perfect will, not sometimes, but God has a perfect will. And if you are just disobedient and you just mess up, mess up, mess up, mess up, then God has a permissive will for you to walk in. I do not believe that anyway, because God knows the end from the very beginning. So he knows every mess up you're ever going to make, right? So um, if you just, just your goal is to be like him, and you're doing your best to walk like him. He knows 
mistakes. You don't have to be afraid. Oh, God, am I making the wrong decision? Oh, my God, I made that decision and it just ruined my life. And now I'll never have God's plan for my life and my life is just over. No, 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 no. God knew what the end would be from the beginning. So you don't have to worry about that. So God's will is perfect. God's will is good, right? God's will is acceptable all the time. Amen. After that uh, verse, Paul goes on to talk about how your mind can be renewed, how your mind is renewed. And it talks about all of the characteristics that we must take on to have a renewed mind. You have to read the next three chapters. That's chapter 13, 14, and 15 in Romans, all right, to talk about how your mind can be renewed by the word of God. Amen? So you have some homework. You go home and study those chapters so your mind can be renewed. (laughs) Amen. While working on this sermon, I encountered a great example of perspective in someone living a prosperous life. His name is Kevin, and he works as a stage manager for the Actors Theater of Indianapolis. I was at a rehearsal with one of my children, and he sat down, and we started talking. And Kevin was born and raised in Lafayette, Indiana. He started acting as a child and always knew he wanted to be a stage manager. Kevin is not a celebrity. He is not wealthy, but he is living his dream. And why is he living his dream? because he believed he could. He knew what he wanted to do, and he knew he could do it, and he did what it took to get there. So he's living a prosperous life. He started out professionally as a costume designer. Now, he wanted to be a stage manager, but that was not the first opportunity given him. But he took the opportunity that was before him, even though it didn't look like what he wanted to do. But it was in the general area of what he wanted to do. So he took it. And he said he worked that for 14 years. That's a long time, right? For 14 years. After the 14 years, he got an opportunity to be a stage manager. And little by little, he's worked himself up. And now he travels around the country. And he told me about all these perks. He's like, when you you get a job somewhere, they have to pay for you to fly there. They have to pay for you a place to live. They have to pay for you something to eat until you get paid. I was like, man, that's pretty good. <laughs> he said, and he's in the union and they have these great benefits for health insurance and all this stuff. I'm like, man, I never knew you could do that and live in Indiana. I said, is Indiana your home base? You know, yeah, I was born and raised here in Indiana. See what you can do. You don't have to go to some coast. You don't have to go overseas. God can use you right where you are. If you take advantage of the opportunities that he gives you to do that thing that he's called you to do. Amen. Let's see. Kevin displayed three critical components to experiencing success and prosperity. And what I mean by success and prosperity is the manifestation of his faith. First, he had a hope. As a child, Kevin hoped to be to be part of a theater program. He had belief. As a young man, he believed he could be a stage manager and he had faith. He took the necessary steps to becoming the stage manager. And that example brings us to the differences between hope, belief, and faith. So what is hope? What is hope? Hope is optimism. Hope is having a positive outlook because you have the expectation that something good is going to happen, right? That is your hope. It's not just a wish. Oh, I wish I could do whatever. A hope is Yeah, I can see it. 
And I know something good's going to come at the end of that. That's a hope, right? Hope helps you to set goals. It looks toward the future, but it really has no substance. Because you can set all the goals you want. You can look toward the future. You can say, yeah, when I do that, it's going to be great. But that's all it is, right? There's nothing else to it. That's all it is. Okay, what is belief? Belief is an acceptance that a statement is true or that something exists. Belief is the mental act or condition or habit of placing trust or confidence in another. To have a mental assent. That, that's where most of us live in belief. Most of us live in belief. A lot of us don't even have hope. I mean, a lot of us, the only hope we have is that we'll live with Jesus when we die. <laughs> a lot of us don't have hope for much more than that. But we, we all live in belief because we're Christians. We accept that what God has told us through the word of God is true. We know it in our minds. We, we believe it. You know, we, we tell other people about it. We believe, we believe, we believe. Okay, that's where most of us live. Now, what is faith? Faith is being so convinced of what you hope for and what you believe that you have a corresponding action. Faith is acting on what you believe. Okay, so I have an example of some water. I wanted to use my daughter, but she didn't want to come out. So I have an example of some water. And let's say I am um, really, really sick and I just, I haven't eaten in two days, haven't drunk anything in two days. I'm going to go a little longer. In seven days, haven't eaten, haven't drunk anything in seven days, and I'm weak. And this is not a spiritual fast. I just haven't, I just haven't come up. And I just know if I had some water, I would be okay. And I wouldn't die, and I wouldn't be sick. And I just needed some water. I just needed some water. And then somebody said, here's water. Here's water. I'll bring it to you. And I said, thank you. I believe this water will help me not to die. I believe this water will give me strength. I believe this water has everything it takes for me not to collapse. And I wait another day to drink the water. And then the next day, that person comes, and I'm dead on the ground. Did I believe that water would do what the necessary things? I believed it. Did I have faith that the water would fix the situation? Did not have faith because there was no corresponding action <laughs> to go with my belief. <laughs> right? Amen. So we have to have corresponding action. Believing alone, believing alone will never, ever change your circumstances. Believing alone will not. You can... Read the scriptures, you can quote the scriptures. If you don't do anything, ain't nothing going to change. <laughs> if you don't do anything. But you know what? I, I, I will say that when you speak things into the atmosphere, that's an action. And it causes things in the atmosphere to change. Some of us won't even do that. <laughs> Some of us won't even speak what the word of God says. We won't even speak what we hear the Holy Spirit say because we say, what if it don't work? How's that going to look? <laughs> you know, so we don't even speak it. But you have to do that. Believing is your starting point. It's your starting point. Let's turn to James 2, 
verses 14 and 15. Faith without works is dead. This is a famous scripture too. My Christian brothers, what good does it do if you say you have faith, but do not do things that prove you have faith? Can that kind of faith save you from the punishment of sin? What if a Christian does not have clothes or food and one of you says to him, goodbye, keep yourself warm, eat well. But if you do not give him what he needs, how does that help him? A faith that does not do things is dead. Some may say, you have faith and I do things. Prove to me you have faith when you are doing nothing. I will prove to you that I have faith by things that I'm doing. You believe there's one God? That's good. Even the demons believe that. And because they do, they tremble. You're a fool, man. Do I have to prove to you that faith without doing things is no use? (sighs) Now I'm going to skip down. It says, Abraham put his trust in God and he became right with God. and He was called of God. The body is dead when there is no spirit in it. It is the same with faith. Faith is dead when nothing is done. Faith is dead when nothing is done. Amen. What if I have belief and hope and faith? but I don't see any results. I believe, I think I have belief. I am full of hope and faith. I put some actions with it. Hmm, I didn't didn't see the results I want. Well, you have to check yourself in those situations. I just experienced something like that. I had to check myself in in that uh, situation. Remember that all faith, all faith, all faith comes by what you hear. No matter what your faith is, it comes by what you hear, okay? So what people believe what they believe because of what they've heard, no matter what it is, right? Um, let's turn to Romans 10. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness, that means that I really know that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness, God's way of doing and being right, they are ignorant, and seeking to establish their own righteousness. They have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes, right? So he's saying, I know these people have a zeal for God, but they don't have a knowledge of God, right? They're trying to do the things in their own strength, and not through God's strength, all right? They don't know his way of doing and being right. They know Moses' way of doing and being right, but they don't know his, God's way of righteousness. We're going to skip down to verse 11. It says, for the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. So if you believe on the righteousness of God, God's way of doing and being right, you will not be put to shame for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent by God? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. So he's saying you should believe in the one that God has sent to you because he's bringing a gospel of peace and bringing the word of the Lord. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, 
who has believed our report? So the gospel's been preached. The, go- the gospel's calling out. Isaiah's a prophet. He's saying, God, who's believed us? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But I say, this is God, have they not heard? Yes, indeed. The sound of the prophet has gone out into all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. But I say, did Israel, did the people of God not know? First Moses says, Mm-hmm. I'll make you jealous by those who are not a nation. I'll, I'll let you see the reward of the wicked. What, no, I'll, I'll let you see the false gain of the wicked and make you jealous. I'll let you see other people prospering who you know they're not living right. And I'll make you jealous. I'll let you see people's children who uh, you know you, they're children acting up. And they're getting all kind of accolades and everything. And here your child is struggling to make bees. And you know what I'm saying? I'll see you, let you see that and provoke you to jealousy. I will move you to anger by a foolish nation. But Isaiah is very bold. And he says, I was found by those who did not even seek me. I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. But to Israel, to us, he says, all day long, I have stretched my hands to a disobedient and a contrary people. You got to check yourself. Amen. Check yourself. Faith comes by what you hear. Faith comes by what you hear. Faith comes by what you hear. Are you acting on what you hear? Don't be a disobedient people. Amen. Let's turn to Matthew Chapter 9, verses 20 through 23. It says, And suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, If only I may touch his garment, I shall be well. But Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, Ah, be of good cheer, girl. Your faith, your faith, your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. Now, we don't know this woman. We don't know her name. All we know of is her issue. She, she heard that the miracle worker was coming her way. Right? She had to do what it took to get her healing. She had to hear something or she wouldn't have gone to where Jesus was. She, she had been sick for 12 years. 12 years is a long time <laughs> to be that sick. And she had gone to doctors. So she had hope. She had hope that somebody could make her well. I'm going to this doctor. Oh, they didn't do it. I'll go to this one. Oh, they didn't do it. I'll go to this one. She had hope that she could get well. She spent all her money. Ah, but then she heard Jesus is coming her way. And so she said, okay, I know I can get well. I know it's possible. I got faith that this man who he's doing all these other miracles, I think he, I, I believe he can do it for me. I have faith that he can, belief that he can do it for me. Now I'm going to walk in faith. I'm going to walk through the crowd. I'm going to push my way through the crowd. I'm not supposed to be in the crowd. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to reach out to Jesus. And he said, what? Girl, your faith has made you well. He didn't touch her. He didn't know that she had touched him. He wasn't looking to heal her. He was on his way to heal somebody else somewhere else. All he knew is that different people were touching him. He says, girl, your faith has made you well. 
So we don't have to seek to be in a line to be touched by a specific person, right? We can go on the faith. We have to hear the word of God, believe the word of God, act on the word of God. Amen? Amen. This must be hard. I mean, people are not, okay, y'all believing by faith? <laughs> Amen. Oh, faith brings results over time. Okay? Everything is not instant. Sometimes faith comes over time, brings results over time. In history, we see this with Abraham Lincoln. His faith brought results over time. He's a person that suffered defeat after defeat after defeat after defeat. I'm going to just read a few of them. He lost his job. He was defeated for a state legislature. He failed in business. His girlfriend died. He had a nervous breakdown. He was defeated to be the Speaker of the House. He was defeated for a nomination for Congress. He was rejected to be the land officer. He was defeated to be in the U.S. Senate. Um, he was defeated for the nomination of vice president. But then the next term came, and he was elected president of the United States. <laughs> Just at the right time, God had him at the, the right man with the right belief system at the right time for what was going on in the world, in his part of the world at that time, to do the thing that God had called him to do. So um, just because something doesn't happen when you want it to doesn't mean that it was necess not necessarily God's will. If you go into it knowing that God has told you to do it, you can't give up. You got to keep going. You got to keep going. You got to keep pressing. You got to keep fighting. It might take years. It might take years. But God will have you reach your goal at the right time. At the right time. Amen. Amen. Let's think about David. David fought the good fight of faith. He was running from Saul. He knew he was anointed to be the king. And Saul tried to stop the plan of God. He ran from Saul for eight years, hiding in caves, running, had the opportunity to kill Saul, wouldn't do it for eight years before he became the king of Judah. So things happen in God's timing. Oh, this is a good one. And Jehoshaphat, Je Jehoshaphat, God's timing, right? I'm going to read down through this. This is in Second um, Chronicles chapter 20. Now it happened after this, the Moabites, the Ammonites, together with some of the Menuhites, came to make war against Jehoshaphat. And it was reported to Jehoshaphat, a great multitude has come against you from beyond the sea of Aram. And look, they are in Hazazon Tamar. Then Jehoshaphat, he was afraid and set himself to seek the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from all the cities of Judah to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah, which means praise, and in Jerusalem, which means a city of peace. So he was in the assembly of praise and peace in the house of the Lord in front of the new courtyard. And he said, God of our fathers, aren't you God in heaven? Do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? Power and might are in your hand. There is no one able to take a stand against you. Oh, our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before you, your people Israel, and give it to for, forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Lord, haven't we done what you told us to do? Aren't we living in the place that you gave us is what he's saying. They have lived in it and have built you a sanctuary in it. Lord, haven't I worshipped you? 
right? He's saying all this. He says, plague and famine came against us. We will stand before this house and before you, and we will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. Now behold, the sons of Ammon and Moab and Seir, whom you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from the land of Egypt, here they are, rewarding us by coming to drive us out of your possession, possession, which you have given us as an inheritance. Lord, I've done everything that you called us to do, and here the enemy is coming to attack me. And you wouldn't even let me defeat that enemy before. You know, some of us in a marital situation, Lord, my, my spouse is not saved, and you wouldn't even let me leave them. And now here they come doing this mess again. And now what am I supposed to do, right? Aren't I doing what you told me to do? This is the situation they're in, right? Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we are powerless against this great multitude, which is coming against us. We do not know, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. So all Judah stood before the Lord with their children and their wives and their infants. Then in the midst of the assembly, the spirit of the Lord came. Hallelujah. And he says, listen carefully. All you Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, the Lord says this to you, be not afraid or dismayed at this great multitude for the battle. What is not yours, but it's Amen. go down against them tomorrow. He gave instructions, go down against them tomorrow. Amen. I lost my place. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the river in front of the wilderness. You need not fight in this battle. Take your positions and stand and witness the salvation of the Lord who is with you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Jehoshaphat bowed with his face to the ground, and everybody began to worship the Lord. All right, so here we go. So they got up early the next morning went out into the wilderness and as they went Jehoshaphat stood and said hear me O Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem believe and trust in the Lord your God and you will be established believe and trust in his prophets you will succeed when he had consulted with the people he appointed those who sang to the Lord and those who praised him in their priestly attire, as they went out before the army, and, the, and they said, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. And when they began singing and praising, the Lord set ambushes against the sons of Ammon and Moab and Seir, who had come against Judah. For the sons of Ammon and Moab rose up against the inhabitants of Seir, completely destroying them. And then when they had finished, they helped to destroy one another. So we have an army coming up against you and you humbled yourself before the Lord and you say Lord I'm your servant Lord I'm doing the best I can to do what you want me to do Lord you see the enemy attacking me Lord what am I supposed to do and then what do you do after that you have to listen because the Lord is always speaking He's always speaking, right? So the Lord will bring you a word. And in this, he said, okay, get up tomorrow. Go face that enemy. This battle isn't yours. I'm saying to you, get up tomorrow. Go face your enemy. This battle isn't yours. Get up tomorrow. Go face that enemy because the battle isn't yours. It's the Lord's. And when you go out, God 
will have made everything just like he called it to be. He's going to have, he's going to have it worked out. They went up and he said, okay, this is what we're going to do. God said, get up and go face the enemy because the battle is not ours. It's his. He said, okay, let's praise God on the way. So I'm going to put everybody who's talented in music to praise God. And we're going to put you in the front lead out with the praise. They came out, praise the Lord. I can see brother, your, your dance. I can see that. Praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. Just come on. Praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. Praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. Over and over. Praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. Okay, we're going to get to that mountain. Look. Ooh, there's no army. It's dead bodies all over the ground. Because the Lord sent confusion into their camp so that they destroyed each other. You don't have to be worried about things on your job where people are coming against you. They'll, they'll destroy each other. They'll talk to each other. They'll talk to the, about, to the boss about each other, and the boss will see who they really are. You don't have to say anything about it. In the church, you know, you, you know, we've got people backbiting in the church. People say things to one another, coming against people in leadership. People in leadership, you don't have to say anything. You don't have to say anything. God reveals who people are. You know, he put people to go away when they need to. There are people to come in when they need to. You don't have to worry about it. Or your job is to say, praise the Lord for his mercy and do it forever. Amen. <laughs> amen. Amen. So sometimes faith is a fight. You have to pray. You'll have to fast. You'll have to hear from the Lord. You have to believe what the Lord says. You have to obey what he says. You have to praise him in advance. And after that, you just watch him work. You just watch him work. Amen. Faith is acting on what you believe. And it's persistent. Let's turn to Matthew 15, 21. We got a Gentile woman who shows her faith. Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region. And she cried out to him saying, God, have mercy on me, Lord. Son of David, my daughter is severely demon possessed. And he did not answer her. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, send her away. She cries out after us. But he answered them and he said, or answered her and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And then she came and worshiped him again, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, but it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And she said, yeah, yeah. But even the little dogs eat crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said, oh, girl, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire, as you desire. And her daughter was healed. So we have a woman who was not an Israelite. She wasn't in the body. She wasn't Christian, as we would say today. She wasn't an Israelite. But she knew that Jesus was powerful. She believed that he could heal her situation. She knew her daughter needed help, and she knew she didn't have it in herself to heal her daughter. So what did she do? She humbled herself, and she came to where Jesus was. She heard Jesus was there. She came to where he was. She has actions going along with her belief. She humbled herself and said, God, help my daughter. He said, I'm not here to help you. People outside of the church, I need help. I need help. We say, you know, one of us, I'm not here to help you. <laughs> she said, Lord, I'm going to try this again. Lord, help me. He said, it's not even right for me to help you. 
you're not even in the house. It's not right for me to help you. She said, yeah, that's true. That's true. But I'll be an Israelite today. <laughs> I'll come today. I'll be whatever you say I am today. I just need some help. <laughs> he said, oh, girl, you have whatever you want. You have whatever you want. You know, if somebody came up to you and you knew they were not living with a drug addict or something like that, and they came up to you asking for some money, you were like, oh, you don't even deserve it. You, you done stole out of my purse. You done, I gave you money before. You went and got high. You didn't, you didn't eat. You didn't pay your rent. And I said, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. And they came, kept coming. But I, but I need you. But I need you. Something in you is going to say, especially if it's your child or your brother or your sister, you know. I know you don't deserve it. I know you don't deserve it. If that's human for us, and if somebody will pull on us and we're human, God, our Father, Jesus, our brother, how much more does he love us? He sees everything we do. He, sees, he knows everything we think. He knows we're not right in our hearts a lot of times. He said, you don't, uh-uh, you don't deserve it. Lord, I'll be, I'll do whatever you, I'll, do it, I'll, I'll be whatever you say I am. This, this girl was a bad girl. She was because she was so humble. Uh, we would, we would leave. And knowing, knowing that Jesus has everything we want and, will, and is willing to give us everything we want. And he asks us to do something and we won't do it. She, she was better than all of us, not even a part of the house of Israel. She said, yeah, whatever you give me, Lord, I'll receive it because I know that's going to be enough. It's going to be enough to heal my daughter, whatever. And that's where we have to be. Lord, whatever, whatever you give me, that's what, that's, that's what I'll receive because I know it's enough and, and it'll, it'll get the job done. Amen. Amen. He's, he was astonished. I wrote down, he was astonished <laughs> at her faith. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. All right. Now, you can't just try to live by faith, right? You, you can't try it. If you're trying it, you're already defeated. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this faith. I'm going to try this. Okay, we're really going to try this faith. I'm believing. I'm believing. I'm believing. I'm believing. Oh, I'm believing. I'm believing. I'm believing. I'm believing. Oh, I'm believing. I'm believing. <laughs> and you get that Mark eleven twenty three, right? If you believe and be cast into the sea, anything will be done for you. We keep saying it. I believe. I believe. I believe. I believe. We're trying it. We're trying it. We're trying that process. We're not. We, we don't know it. We don't know it. We have to, oh, God, I'm believing, I believe. After a while, you don't know what you believe. I believe, I think I believe. I don't know, it's not working. Is it, do I really believe? Oh, I don't know. You don't know it, right? Right? So if, you, if you're trying it, you're already defeated. Your faith b- works by you believing the word of God, by you saying what the end result will be, and by acting according, accordingly. If you are concerned and say, oh, what if I say this and it doesn't happen? How will that look? You're already defeated. If you have a reservation about saying it, I don't know, I don't know if I should say that, then your faith is, will never be activated. You have to be completely convinced and then, what you, and then say what you believe. So you have to be co- completely convinced and then say what you believe. Amen. One last um, example. We have the 10, ten lepers, Luke 17. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. 
Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he returned with a loud voice and glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, arise, go your faith, go away. Your faith, your faith, your faith has made you well right? So we had the 10 lepers who had to hear that Jesus was passing by. They had to believe that Jesus could heal them. They had to go and cry out, Lord, we're over here. Have mercy on us. And then they heard his instruction. He didn't touch them. He didn't say anything to their bodies. He said, oh, go show yourself to the priest. Then what did they have to do? They had to obey him. They had to go show themselves to the priest. No healing was manifested at all. When he, when he said, go show yourself to the priest. Okay, go show yourself to the priest. They didn't know until they were on their way doing what God had told them to do, right? You have to do what God has told you to do. And then come back and give God the what? Give him the praise. Amen. Faith is a fight. Now, are we to fight the enemy? No, the enemy is already what? Defeated. Jesus completed that fight when he did what? Yes, and when he said it is finished. So the devil is already defeated. And Jesus revealed his strength in Matthew 28 when he said, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. So our job is to be like Jesus and speak to demonic forces and to tell them what to do. Now, do you have to be afraid that any demonic forces can do anything to hurt you? How do you know? What's the word say? He gave us, see, I knew Sister Lois gave us authority. There's no need to be afraid because in uh, Luke chapter 10, it says, and he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning. This is Jesus talking to to the disciples. Satan has no power. I saw him fall like lightning. He said, look, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Amen. Amen. So you have to take time to develop your faith. When your faith is tested, it produces patience, endurance, and the ability to stand. That's why we have to be tested. James 1 says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Patience comes as a result of experiencing one win after another. But if you're never, never tested, you'll never win, right? So you get patience to go through more things after you experience one win after another, one win after another. To develop your faith, the word must be, to develop your faith, the word must be mixed with faith. The word must be mixed with faith to work. When you hear the word, you will get a genesis or a beginning 
of faith because faith comes by hearing the word. However, if you don't mix what you hear with believing and speaking and doing, then the hearing of the word doesn't profit you. So if you come to church every week and go to Bible study every week and listen to preachers every day on the TV and don't mix it with speaking and believing and doing, then it's not doing you any good. Faith is always in the present tense, not the future. Now, faith is the substance. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, right? Faith is is a temporary proof of something that you cannot touch, you cannot taste, you cannot smell, you cannot see it, and you cannot hear it. Faith is the proof of something you cannot taste, you cannot see, you cannot hear, you cannot uh, smell, and you cannot see, right? Faith does not dwell on circumstances. You don't allow circumstances to dictate your actions. It's not that you deny the facts, you just deny their authority to rule your situation, right? So I've heard a lot of times people um, who suffer with uh, maybe arthritis or, you know, some kind of disease, some things that come and go, like sciatic nerves, whatever, you just have to get up. You just have to get up and go. Be like, nope, this is not stopping me. You have to get up and go on in, in Jesus' name, right? You say, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. We're going on in Jesus' name. You don't de- deny the fact that you feel it, but you deny its authority to rule your situation. When you have ne- negative circumstances, it is your job to ignore those circumstances and to say what God says about them. God cannot lie. So if he said something, then it must be true, no matter what your senses are telling you. To be successful in faith, a person must think God thoughts, which is the word of God, and talk God talk, which is the word of God, (laughs) right? So you have to have the word of God on you all the time. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, then ask what you will and it shall be given unto you, right? So that word has to abide in you. You have to be thoroughly convinced that faith works. 